Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And you're in for a real treat today because I have with me Deb Muller. Deb is the CEO and founder at HR Acuity. It is a truly innovative company. I would assume it started in the HR space, but frankly, I see it as much broader than that and lots of implications for other corporate disciplines, specifically including compliance. So, Deb, with that somewhat long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tom. Glad to be here. So, Deb, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your journey because in reviewing your LinkedIn profile, you have a Bachelor's of Science from Cornell University industrial and labor relations, and then you went into HR, human resources, and were in the corporate world for several years. So could you tell us a little bit about that experience and what led you to founding HR Acuity back in 2006? Sure. There's a little bit of irony regarding that because one of the reasons that I went into industrial and labor relations at Cornell was not because I grew up with this passion for industrial and labor relations and you know knew from a young age I wanted to be a human resource professional. But admittedly, the reason that the program looked good to me at that point was there weren't too many science or math requirements. So the irony is that here I am, a CEO of a technology company. So you never know where you're going to go, right? But that's where I started. And in that program at Cornell, you know, most of my peers either chose to go to law school, many of them are no longer practicing law, or they went to human resources. And that was the path I took and spent many years, 20 so years in a variety of organizations and a variety of roles. And finally, in about 2006, decided it was time to go out on my own and initially started HR Acuity, again, not thinking technology, but thinking about kind of what the needs were in the marketplace, thinking about what I like to do because people said that was important. And so I decided to form HR Acuity as a service provider to actually do third-party workplace investigations for organizations as an alternative to going kind of to traditional law firm for that. So, first of all, I have to shout out to Cornell because I went to Michigan State in the labor relations program, and we always perceived that we were number two, and Cornell was by far the U.S. leader in that. So, I have never had the chance to shout out to someone who went to Cornell on that discipline, so I just had to get that in. But in reviewing your website, frankly, uh, very impressed by the technological not only tools, but solutions you bring to help companies effectively investigate employee issues and beyond that, even identify them. So I was wondering if you could speak a few words about both the products and services you have in that space. Yeah, and I'll just kind of share how it came about. So here we were doing investigations for companies, and typically we would do the ones that either kind of had risen to the level of the C-suite, or they knew we're going to head towards litigation, or maybe they didn't have the capabilities or capacity internally. But I knew that most of the investigations were being done within HR in an organization, and there was really no rhyme or reason. There was no process to how they were being done. That's how I was brought up. That's how I knew most organizations were doing it. And frankly, most organizations are still doing it that way today. So as I was kind of going through this and talking to clients, I recognized this need for you know, incorporating technology, incorporating consistency, incorporating process into the investigation lifecycle, into employer relations. You know, employee relations was really up until recently sort of treated as just 
very tactical, something that happened, something people reacted to. But if you're an HR professional, you know it can take over your day. Someone can walk in the door and say, hey, I have something I have to tell you or come in in tears or you get a letter. And it, it takes over a lot and, and quite frankly, poses an incredible amount of risk for the organization. Yet there were no processes. So in organizations where we measure everything, we track everything, particularly related to all of our other resources, and even within human resources, this was an area that just had nothing. Not only that, the capabilities of the folks doing the investigations varies widely, really big spectrum. Just to kind of give you a sense, when I was asked to do my first investigation, and I won't say what year it was, but my boss came to me and said, okay, I need you to do this investigation. You need to fly out to Chicago. Somebody has alleged they've been harassed. I was working in New York City at the time, and I went to the bookstore when we used to have bookstores. So that kind of dates me a little bit, but I walked to the bookstore and bought a book, How to Conduct a Sexual Harassment Investigation. So, and that's probably how most people learn. Maybe they were fortunate to go to kind of a half-day seminar that their law firm would run and they'd leave with this, you know, five-inch binder of how to, of the steps that they should take when something occurred. But again, no consistency, no auditing to see if what they did was accurate, unless, of course, there was some litigation. So to me, it was just ripe for technology. We had a process that we knew worked, that brought consistency to it. And so since I knew nothing about technology at the time, except that I was a user of really bad HR technology, I decided that it made total sense to start a firm doing that. So that I remember in my last corporate position, my firm was under or the company was under a monitorship for its prior FCPA sins and an issue popped up and I got a call from the monitor and said, go investigate this. And then his next breath was, and what's your investigative plan? And I thought, (laughs) what's an investigative plan? So absolutely, that lack of rigor around process, consistency and technology is certainly lacking in a wide variety of corporate disciplines including compliance, unfortunately. But I was really intrigued by not only the process and methodology that uh, you and HRQT brings, but also the broader category of what I would call risk management. So Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you could give us a few words about how HRQT helps companies manage their HR risk. But frankly, I saw it as a broader remit of risks. Yeah, it's total risk, right? I mean, HR, human resources tend to be your most expensive resources, yet most companies don't think about it when they think about risk or compliance. There's a list of a lot of other things. A human resource risk tends not to be on there. As a matter of fact, I was just reading a Deloitte report today, and it talked about conduct, and I thought, okay, this is it. And then when I dug in, it was all about our client's conduct, right? It was about customer conduct, and it was not related to the employees at all. You know, when we do a benchmark study every year where we ask about investigatory processes and things like that, and are they required a certain way of handling something? Is it required when someone alleges harassment or discrimination or any other type of issue that requires an investigation of its human resources? And less than 40% of organizations have a required process for investigating. And so if you think about that, I often kind of ask people to kind of think of it in terms of an airline, right? If airlines, only 40% of them had a required process for investigating when something goes wrong with an airplane. And I know that's sort of very current right now, given some of the issues that have been happening in the airline industry, but that would just be unheard of. No one would get on the planes, 
right? I mean, it causes huge amount of risk for the organization. Yet with our human resources, we kind of forget about that. So just a huge opportunity for organizations to really look at things differently. So what is it mitigating as far as risk? Well, you can think of the allegation itself, right? So somebody makes an allegation. So at that point in time, you want to make sure you go through a proper compliant process so you get to the end result. You get to the right result, right? You can stop the behavior, you can mitigate it, you can see what's going on in the organization, and you can kind of take care of it, which is very important, but it's also too late, right? The issue's already happened. It's already disrupted your organization. So what you really want to do is mitigate that risk. And what our system helps you do is identify, have we had similar issues in the past? Or are there trends in behavior that if we don't look at them now, if we don't kind of get a hold of them, may lead to something else? If you think about the Me Too movement, and uh, Matt Lauer, right? So Matt Lauer came out, he was doing all these egregious things. Well, they didn't just happen one day and someone said, oh my gosh, we got to fire Matt Lauer. They were happening over time, you know, probably very small at the beginning, probably not even that bothersome or that much against policy, but they kept escalating and escalating. They kept being, the organization effectively was allowing that person to behave that way and they escalated until it turn into actually something much worse. So if we can kind of nip those in the bud, if we can see those little Matt Lowers in our organization, whether it's a leader or it's a policy that continues to be violated by a group of people or many other things, if you look at that data related to employee behavior, it can really help you grow your organization, mitigate risk, get smarter about your people, about how you're going to train them, different elements like that. Deb, one of the things that I hear consistently from chief compliance officers is they may have a tech solution, but it's not that they don't know how to use it, but they don't know what the numbers or the results mean. Sometimes they don't know how to use it. Do you have those same sorts of conversations with HR professionals? Well, I think you have to start gathering the data. You have to make sure it's being used consistently. So one of the things that we really work with our clients on is, are you gathering all of the information to tell a story? In the early days, we'd have clients saying, you know, this is great. I'm just going to have this part of my organization use it. And I would say to them, because I'd be more involved in the sales processes at that point, saying, don't bother, right? Unless you're going to use this, unless it's going to be part of how you do business, that data is not going to tell you anything productive or anything that's reliable that you can use. What I think is really great about the data is you can see the outliers. You can see what's there, what's maybe out of whack. You're going to learn the information over time. So for example, if you have different functions in your organization, you might learn through trending that your customer support center is going to have a lot more issues than your R&D center. It's just the nature of the work, right? So that's okay. That's kind of what your norm is, your benchmark. But then when you see a spike or a dip or something that's unexpected, You might not know what that actually tells you, but what it does is it gives you the information to go ask the questions, right? To partner with your business leaders, to talk about, you know, what's going on, something's happened here, what's changed, what is this telling us, because we know something's different. Now, over time, you also might be able to predict things that are happening. So, you know, in our system, you can look at your cases against different events that may have occurred. So they could be external events like that are going on in the world. So it could be an election or a natural disaster like a hurricane, but you can also link them to internal things. You had a new CEO, you had an org change, you had your sales boondoggle, you know, and then you can look at your caseloads before and after that. And over time, start to learn what is that telling you? So, I mean, the one that everybody can kind of wrap their head around is the sales, you know, boondoggle, right? So we have our sales meeting in Las Vegas, cases spike, right? 
so as an organization, we can look at that and we can say, all right, next year, we're going to have our sales conference again. We know cases spiked last year, so we can do one of two things. We can staff up and get ready for it, or we can look at the data. And we can dig into that data and say, why was it? What happened at that conference that caused this? And what can we do to reduce the number of cases going forward or get smarter about kind of the cause and effect? Deb, one of the things that really struck me about your website is you have just a huge amount of resources on your website. You have white papers, you have infographics, you have case studies, you have blogs, and just a wealth of material, both for the HR practitioner, but frankly, I think for a much broader remit of practitioners such as myself in compliance. And I wanted to focus on one blog post, which was entitled 10 Ways Technology, because it really struck me. I just wonder if you could walk us through that. Yeah, I mean, it's a great blog post. One of our team leaders wrote it, but it's really about all the different things that you can get from technology. So your legal team can be looking at the technology, can be looking at everything all together to see if there's an issue. I mean, many of our clients, legal really relies on the data to see, first of all, if they're dealing with a specific investigation, but looking across the entity. Do we have any risk of class action suits, right? Are we treating people in a way that could cause a disparate impact that we're not even aware of, right? So we might be giving, you know, for a large decentralized organization that, you know, spans the country or the globe, we might be dealing with attendance issues or performance issues differently. And if we're not careful, there might be some disparate action on different protected categories that could potentially lead to a class action suit. So if I'm with legal, I want to know that I can go one place, I can look at all the data, it's that single source of truth, right? And have that information to look at historical case information, but just, just to kind of get ahead and know if there's anything that I need to get on top of before it becomes a bigger legal issue or a huge issue for the organization. So that's one thing that certainly is important to think of that kind of goes beyond HR. The other thing we hear a lot is there are different points of contact for raising an issue in an organization. And that's become very clear. We've heard a lot about it with the Me Too area. So people have hotlines and they have going to their manager and they have going to HR. And we need to coordinate that all together because if I'm investigating something in HR, I need to know if corporate compliance is investigating something about that person too, or if they've made a claim Maybe they've made some type of whistleblower claim. I need to know that. Retaliation is the most frequently made claim to the EEOC. It surpassed race a few years ago, and it is much easier for an employee or plaintiff to prove retaliation than the actual issue itself. So there must be a coordinated effort among all of the entities, all the functions within an organization. It's not just an HR issue. Deb, you've said a lot in here that I found truly innovative, but the other thing that struck me is what's also innovative, at least I hear from you and see on the HR Acuity website, is you took some almost fairly basic components of business process, applied them to an investigative format, and helped companies to put in place something that not only has process, has rigor, can be audited and monitored, but I think would actually lead towards having a cultural impact through greater institutional justice and greater fairness because people see that all of the investigations are done in a certain way and that there is not inconsistency with either the way the investigation occurs or with the results of the investigation. Is that part of really something that can help drive positive culture as well? Yes, I am so glad you mentioned that because that's 
one of my favorite things to talk about. Absolutely. I am a firm believer that it's not so much the issue, but it's how you manage it. That's going to determine the outcome of it. I have investigated little issues, or I haven't investigated them. I've seen little issues that weren't investigated properly. I'd like to say I didn't do them and really kind of got blown out of proportion. And then I've been, you know, party to investigations where someone really had an issue, right? Their allegation was founded, they were not treated well in, in many respects, but we were able to kind of get a hold of it. People felt they were treated fairly and they were much more accepting of the process. If there's a process and people believe there's a process, they see that process, they are going to be more accepting of the outcome. And our solution really does a lot to drive that. And I think this has really come to light during the Me Too movement or Me Too time that we're in right now. You know, we hear about 75% of people not coming forward, right? Because they have an issue, but they don't want to come forward. That's a tough number to look at and say, what are we doing wrong? You know, we've been doing policies, we've been doing training, yeah, we've even been giving people avenues to report things. So obviously that's not the problem. What is keeping them from coming forward? And I am a firm believer it's not because they don't know how to come forward, but they don't know what to expect when they come forward. And that can be kind of scary. Am I going to be retaliated against? Am I going to have to recount my story in front of the person that does it? Are they not going to do anything about it? And so it's not going to matter anyways. Is it going to be held against me? So the more that we can bring process that people are aware of, that they feel it's going to change that trajectory. It's going to take some time, but it's going to change it. We talk a lot about transparency. There's organizations now that are gathering their data and they're sharing it, right? So what does that do? So if I come out and say I'm a large organization and at the end of the quarter or the year, I post how many harassment allegations we had in our organization. Now, Every organization is going to have these types of issues. If you tell me that you don't have them, I'm going to tell you you're not looking and there's some other issues in your organization you need to get ahead of. So if I come out and say, you know, we had 30 harassment allegations this quarter or this year and 63% of them were substantiated and 20, I'm going to do my math here, I had 37% were not substantiated. What does that tell me as an employee? Right. It doesn't tell me who it was. I haven't provided any confidential information that wouldn't be appropriate to share. But it does tell me that you have a process. And actually, in more cases than not, you found the person to come forward to have credibility and that there was actually something so that you could substantiate with their claim and you've done something about it. So when I have an issue, I'm going to feel much more comfortable coming forward. In our system, we have specific protocols that are reviewed with every person that gets interviewed. And when we talk about it with our clients and we share it with them, we say, look, these are in place because you're sending a message to that person across the table that there is a process in place. And there's certain things that we have you do in our investigation process to make sure they recognize that whether they're a complainant, whether they're a subject or a witness. If I'm a witness, someone calls me in because they want to ask me questions about something I may or may not have seen, and I feel that there's a process, when I leave that room, I know, or I'm going to think, hmm, if I ever have an issue, this is how they're going to treat me. And you know what? They have a process in place, and I feel comfortable with it. So it's going to take time, but having that process really is so important in helping to create that safe workplace, not to mention kind of consistency of remediation and making sure that they're doing the right thing. Well, Deb, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I was wondering if uh, any of our listeners wanted to find out more information on HR Acuity, how could they do so? 
Yeah. I mean, the best place to go is our website, which is www.hracuity.com. That's H-R-A-C-U-I-T-Y.com. They can learn more about our product. We also have a terrific benchmark study that we do every year. It covers about 4.5 million employees. We talk to about over 150 organizations, large organizations about their employee relations practices, whether it relates to tech or metrics. So that's a great wealth of research there for their organizations or if they want to learn more about the product. And of course, you mentioned our blog, which we publish on frequently and we you know, want to get feedback on it and get people to enjoy it. Well, Deb, thank you very much for taking the time to visit with me. And I greatly look forward to continuing the conversation. That's great. Thanks, Tom, for having me. Enjoyed it. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.